last week we had started and done most of Kiddush. I'm going to add on one last point. We're going to Kiddush, we'll move on to Lachamishnah, Bezer Hashem. One of the most challenging or more challenging parts of going to Kiddush is one person being moti someone else, which is something we don't normally do for the obvious reason it's very difficult. The reason why it's so difficult is because in order to actually moti someone, the proper way is besides the intent of the person saying it, which is not that difficult, the intent, the intent of the person listening, also not that difficult, there's a focus on what the person's saying really throughout the entire time, and especially if it's a longer tefillah, it's very hard to do that, which is why, even though at times of the Gemara, there was the common practice was one person said Berchas Amazon for everyone, only one person actually said it, and everyone listened. That practice has pretty much been abolished for the difficulty of actually focusing and paying attention to the person's tefillah the entire time. The two places we still do this is Kiddush and Hamotzi, and even though Kiddush is somewhat lengthy, not that lengthy, but somewhat lengthy. Chazal still, the minig is still to use one person saying it for everyone else. I'm not clear the exact reason why Kiddush particularly remained as one of those places. I believe it has to do with the fact that there was very difficult to get wine, so it was expensive to get wine for everyone, and it was therefore common that one person did it for everyone else even though it's something which is, again, hard because it's somewhat lengthy. And even though today, when wine is much more accessible and much cheaper, still the meaning evolved and remained that way. So I think that's why it is that way, but certainly the requirement to pay attention, to listen the entire time is something which is very important. Obviously, speaking during Kiddush is not something which is permitted, and particularly during the bracha of Hagafin, during the bracha of Kiddush, speaking religion, almost any one of those parts can invalidate the entire bracha. And in addition to that, after the Kiddush is finished, there's a preference, and it's not a requirement, but a preference, that each person actually tastes from the Kiddush. The language of the Shachan Aruch is that Mitzvah is a proper, more preferable way of doing Kiddush, each person actually tastes from the Kiddush, which is not always feasible. Certainly in a large group, it's very difficult. Like in Shul, it's very difficult that everyone gets from the Kiddush. But certainly at home, it's much more feasible and practical that everyone should drink and preferably drink from the Kiddush wine. But, and this is an important point, obviously if one would talk between the end of Kiddush and before the drinking, before the drinking of the Kiddush, they have to make their own bracha. Meaning that you can use the bracha of the person to make Kiddush. That's certainly acceptable and fine. The same way you use every other part of Kiddush, the Agafim part as well, one can be Yotze. But if one does speak, the same way if you make your own bracha, and then speak in between before actually drinking or eating, the bracha is invalid. So to over here, if you're using the bracha, the person making the Kiddush, and then want to apply that to oneself, and the same halacha would apply, if one does talk in between, that would invalidate the bracha. So it's important to make sure that one does not talk. If one did talk by mistake, it would not invalidate the Kiddush. The Kiddush is still fine. Kiddush, again, is fine even without drinking at all. So therefore, certainly, if someone spoke at that point, it would not invalidate the Kiddush. But if someone still wants to be Yotzi, the Mitzvah of the proper way of doing so, they can make their own bracha, Hagafen, and then drink from the Kiddush wine. So it would not ruin the Kiddush, 
but it would ruin the bracha of Agafen, and one would require their own bracha. And this happens very often. People don't, don't realize they talk, and then want to drink from the wine. That's okay to drink, but it wouldn't necess- necessitate its own bracha. So that, it's a good question, as far as which wine. The preference is from the Kiddush wine itself, unless... And, well, what's the other option? The, the wa- someone doesn't like wine, yeah. and the Valorize is making it on wine, if that person has grape juice. Is there any in front of them? In front of them, during the Kiddush. So there is, there is a, an advantage drinking from the Kiddush wine itself. It could be even a tiny amount. So even just pouring a tiny amount from the wine, let's say, into the grape juice would be preferable. And this way it's from the Kiddush wine itself, rather than just drinking from the wine which is in front of them, which is not really part of the Kiddush itself. Yeah. So if you didn't, um, if you took grape juice and you didn't get a little from the Kiddush uh, it would be preferable to get... To make the yeah, well, either way... The, no, because usually in my house, like, everybody gets, and pours it into the grape juice, and then everybody gets from the wine. Right, so, so the bracha... But what if you didn't take it from the Kiddush cup, and you just... Juice, you can still use the bracha. No. The bracha, can, as long as it doesn't speak, the bracha can still be used. Even it's, if you didn't take it from the correct, wine of that. Correct. Because you're using the hagaf and bracha. Also, when somebody is making, correct. And, somebody, and you just come, you hear it, and you pour grape juice because there's a lot of people, you don't have to make the bracha. Correct. As long as it didn't speak in between. Right. Okay. Right. As long as no speaking in between, you can use... Drink from that wine. No. Because no. the hagafen is, is, is a bracha of hagafen, which you're using regardless. Okay. So you can apply it to any, as long as it's hagafen, that would be fine. Is it considered speaking if you're like shushing your kids or something like that? No. <laughs> right. <laughs> Only words itself would be, right, it has to actually enunciate some words. Right. Shh, shh. Right. It would not be considered a word. Maybe that's a language. Right. But it's not, <laughs> it's not considered in a language. Now, one thing which is very interesting, and this is really a whole separate section, in brachos, but I'll just mention it here briefly, is that once one does hear the bracha of Hagafen and drinks from some of the wine, if they would drink from any other drink afterwards, it would now require its own bracha of shahakal. For example, if one hears Kiddush and drinks from the Kiddush wine, and then, let's take a simple example. Shabbos morning, they say, well, makes their own Kiddush at home. And Kiddush for yourself, and then you want, you want to have a coffee afterwards. A guffin, drink from the wine, and then have a coffee. The lach is that there's no bracha required on the coffee. Why? Because the same way hamotzi includes all foods, so to hagafen includes all drinks. And everything is included in that hagafen. So therefore the coffee one would have right after the kiddush would not require its own bracha. And that would apply to any drink. What's important to keep in mind is that there's a question of how much wine or grape juice is one actually required to drink in order to cover other drinks. Now, the case we just gave was a simple case. A person make Kiddush for themselves. If you make Kiddush for yourselves, we mentioned last week, you have to drink at least 1.65 ounces, which is called Mali Lugmov. They drink um, that amount, and that's a full a full shear. Then one definitely is not going to be required to make a Don Shahako. question is less than that. If you just drink a small amount, often when you get Kiddush from someone else, Usually, usually people drink a small amount. question is, drinking a small amount, does that actually cover the other bracha of, of shahakal or not? This is a major discussion in the post and it's really unclear whether it does work or not. The bottom line is, since it's a suffix, it's somewhat unclear. 
there's right now a question if you can drink other drinks, is there a require a bracha or not? The solution really would be to make a shahakal on something else, on a food item, which obviously not a drink, or candy, something of that nature, or anything which is shahakal, and have a mind to cover the drink as well, since that's a questionable case. Again, once you have a full amount of moil lugma, which is you know, close to two ounces, that for sure is going to be enough to cover, it's a chashav amount to cover the other drinks. If you don't have that amount, and especially when you hear Kiddush from someone else, whatever is a small amount, questionable, and therefore the proper way to do it at that point is to have a shahakal and something else in order to avoid this question of whether or not the other drinks require a bracha. If you're not drinking other drinks, obviously that's fine, but if you want to drink other drinks, I guess that raises this question whether it needs a bracha of shahakal. So as long as, long as they're in front of you, that would be fine. Right, yeah. Right, right. so here, correct, that's the really perfect issue from because it's not as inclusive as the, as the most you really should be in front of a person when so they're... Well, if they, if, or if you knew you're having, you, exactly. das also, exactly. yeah, das, das also helps, for sure. Yeah, da, in front of you is even without das, but das for sure helps. Yeah. Correct. So, so why well, would somebody it, want to drink coffee? It's like, well, let's, why did you even drink coffee after? Because you're not guilty. Well, let's say not right away. Let's say Adam's in between. I mean, truth is, you don't have to have a the first thing. You really could have it afterwards. There's, there's a preference to have a right, right away. You yes. Have have it's not, it, it, you certainly have to have a yes. For sure, you need a in this so, so when you're process. So, when you the, it, it's, right, it's, it's, so it's preferable to have Mizonos first. It's preferable to have Mizonos first. It's not required. You definitely need Mizonos in this process somewhere. But even if it wasn't first, it would still be a lab. Correct. It definitely needs Mizonos somewhere. So that's why the post saying it's preferable to have it right away because, number one, maybe one will forget. Number two is that maybe it actually needs Mizonos first in order to be able to the Kiddush fully. So it definitely should be preferably first, but if one didn't, let's say you had a drink first, it's still okay. But, but I shouldn't put in mind that I should have a drink and then not have, not have, and what if I don't want, I choose not to have the was I allowed to drink? No. Okay. Right, so that's, that's why the preference, one of the reasons why it's preference to have the first. Because right, because if you did, correct, if you did, it weren't allowed to have that, that drink, and I mentioned this last week, and that would really invalidate the whole Kiddush. And once the Kiddush is invalid, then you can't drink at all. So, right. Right. But it's still relevant if, let's say, you have Kiddush and then Mizonos, and afterwards you want to have a drink. So if that would certainly be relevant whether or not the drink requires a bracha or not. And that's going to be, again, if you had enough wine or grape juice, for sure it does cover. If it's only a small amount, that's where this question comes in, and therefore you should try to use something else. Yeah. Same thing. The bracha achron is covered by the alagefin as well, yeah. Or brachas amazon if that's what's covering. Whatever, whatever the yeah. Now one other just last point. This comes up very often. People have wine or grape juice during the meal itself. Besides by kiddush during the meal itself, does it require a new borpiagafin during the meal if they already made, made a borpiagafin or heard a borpiagafin by kiddush? Is that going to be separate or independent? So if you want to have some wine or some grape juice during the meal. Would that require its own bracha? So it really depends. Firstly, just one important point in general about wine during a meal. G- generally, even though obviously all foods and drink are covered by the hamotzi, it's not true for wine. 
generally, let's say during the week. Forget about, forget about Kiddush for a moment. A person during the week is having a bread meal, and they want to have a cup of wine or a cup of grape juice during the meal. It definitely requires his own bracha. And the reason is because hagafen is chashav enough, is important enough that the hamotzi would not cover it, it would not be included in the hamotzi, it requires his own bracha. The question, therefore, now is how about during Shabbos meal? So you had already Kiddush before, and now the person washed, and is going to have, let's say, some wine or grape juice during the meal, would that require its own bracha? So really the question is can I use the hagafen, which was used before the meal, and apply it to the agafen during the meal. Or, no, it's independent. One's before the meal, one's during the meal. And they can't be, one can't be, um, fulfill the other one. So the halachas really depends on two factors. Number one, did a person have das? Did a person have intention to drink wine or grapes during the meal as well? If the answer is yes, then there's definitely no bracha required. And as long as a person had das, had intention to drink more wine or grapes during the meal itself, that's going to be okay. If there wasn't das, that means the person didn't have intention to drink more wine or grapes during the meal. The only way it would cover it is if that was the normal procedure one normally had on a regular Shabbos. That means regularly if someone, as part of the meal, generally has wine or grapes as part of the meal, then it's like a default das. Even with that specific das that I'm going to have right now this meal, I don't need specific das because since I always do it, it's normally part of what I do, that's going to be considered sufficient to cover the wine or grapes during the meal. But if neither are relevant, which means neither this default das or a specific das, a separate bracha is required. So if one didn't think about having one of grape juice before the meal, didn't normally, doesn't normally have it, and now for some reason wants to have a cup of grape juice or a cup of wine during the meal, it would definitely require its omar priyagafen, because the one which is before the meal is really independent. It doesn't work necessarily for the one during the meal, unless, again, either there's das through a specific das or a default das. That's an important point which comes up um, regarding wine or grape juice during the meal. One last point about being motzi someone. This is a fascinating halacha which applies in many different aspects of being yotzi someone else. Kiddush is particularly one of the places where it applies. It just, it's interesting just to, know, to understand how it plays itself out in Kiddush. We'll see it applies to other places as well. The person making Kiddush can be yotzi anyone else. So let's say, and that could be say, a woman making Kiddush and wants to be yotzi other woman or other girls, can be most of them without a question. Obviously, men can be with the other men or other women. That's not a question. One of the fascinating halachas apply is, let's say a person already was Yotzeh Kiddush ready. They themselves are Yotzeh Kiddush ready. They were Kiddush in Shul or Kiddush beforehand. Do they still have the ability to notice someone else in Kiddush? Meaning, I already was Yotzeh. I'm doing it now just for that person. Is that a bracha lavatala? Is it a acceptable bracha? Can I do that? Can I not do that? And this happens often, either someone who Kiddush in Shul, now they want to be Motsi someone else in Kiddush. Someone who's the Kiddush at home, and then a guest comes, and they can make their own Kiddush, but they feel more comfortable if someone makes Kiddush for them. Is that acceptable? Is that a, now, on one hand, it sounds like, what are you doing? You're making Kiddush again, but I already heard Kiddush. I was the Yotzeh Kiddush already. So to say Kiddush again, it would seem like it's the bracha of Atal. It would seem like an unnecessary bracha. Even though I'm doing it for them, but for me, if I'm not Biyotzeh for myself, am I allowed to do that? So the Gemara is a fascinating thing, that even if a person was Biyotzeh 100%, and let's say the case of Kiddush, they're still allowed to make Kiddush again just for someone else, just for the person who's Biyotzeh Kiddush. Why? So the Gemara is a very interesting rule, that it's based on the famous concept 
of Koyusar everyone's responsible for each other, which means that if I didn't make Kiddush yet, the person who's making Kiddush for me is still missing something. What are they missing? They're missing their full completion of Kiddush, not just for themselves, it's for me and for them and for everyone else. That means everyone's responsible for the whole Kala Yisrael to make sure that Yotzeh Kiddush. So if someone walks into my house now and wasn't Yotzeh Kiddush yet, even though I was Yotzeh Kiddush, I really haven't been fully Yotzeh Kiddush. Because since someone else is still lacking, so someone else still needs Kiddush, I am still somewhat responsible for them, and I'm allowed to make Kiddush 100% just for them, even though I was Yotzeh already. And this is a, it's a rule, it's an important rule, particularly applying to Kiddush, because of the lack that I have. Now it's interesting how far this goes. This goes it's a general rule of mitzvot, so I can be, do it again to move to someone else, We'll get to later on to Havdalah. We'll see Havdalah is somewhat different and something unique. We'll see why. If I can make Havdalah just for someone else, in certain cases, it might be an, might be an issue. And it's also not going to work for Hamotzi. The reason why Hamotzi is different is because there, it's the main bracha is a bracha on food. And the, the Gemara says that when it comes to food, so then don't make a bracha and don't eat. And let the other person who's eating is being nana, the bracha is for benefiting from the food. That person who's benefiting has to make the bracha. But Kiddush is not just the Hagafen. Kiddush is the Bracha of Kiddush, and even though it often comes along with it, but that can be said even though the person was ready for the Yotzeh. So it's an interesting point, just in, in terms of the Yotzeh of someone else, there, I can include someone, I can be Yotzeh someone else, even though I was fully Yotzeh, in order to have them fulfill their chiv and their obligation. Well, not, so again, the logic maybe would say that if I make Hamotzi for them, I can do it again. Because I'm, I'm using it for them now. Why? I'm using it for that person. It's the same logic maybe would apply that even by Hamotzi, that if I'm no, doing it for you... you made a and you drink it, you had to make anyway to drink. You don't have to make anyway to eat. Well, well let's, let's say I just made a girlfriend 10 minutes ago, and someone walks into my house, and I already made a girlfriend. I can still do it. Yeah, yeah. Because like often is still being using it for them and using it for their kiddush, and therefore it's okay. So I'm mostly that wouldn't work because I'm mostly is just a bracha on food, and the food comes. The, the, the other rule applies. You have to be nanny, you have to benefit from the food, to make a bracha. Right. Okay, so that's just as far as the you have to someone else. But let's move on to the next section, which is lacha mishnah. Lacha as every other mitzvah, which is a Paz mitzvah for Shabbos applies to men, to women, to children. We mentioned, even though it's mangrama, we mentioned this rule that anything that anyone is part of the aspect of Shamar, which is the losasei of Shabbos, is also part of Zachar, which is the positive parts of Shabbos. And Lachamishta, as we'll see, if it's part of Suda, is all included in the dinam of Zachar that applies to men, to women alike. Children as well are part of the chiv of Lachamishta, again, as based as chenuch. Chinuch, as we mentioned until now, really applies when a child is old enough to understand the concept on some level. For a basic concept of Lecha Mishnah, they probably will be old enough from when someone probably about six years old, the post can say, at that point they can understand basic concept, Lecha Mishnah, two, two loaves, Zecha Laman, it's a very basic, simple concept. And if some reason a child is making emotion on their own, it would be preferable to give them as part of Chinuch, to give them Lecha Mishnah. To be able to do so, even though it's a, it's a child, it's not so common to do it on their own. But if there's some reason they missed that hamotzi, 
certainly they should be given Lachamishnah to be able to perform Lachamishnah as part of the mitzvah of Chinuch. It applies to children as Chinuch and anything else. Now, there's a number of different important points regarding Lachamishnah, which <coughs> particularly focus on the fact that it should be whole, and we'll see where that comes from, and exactly how we define what whole means. So the idea of Lacha Mishnah, as, as we mentioned before, is based on Zeichel Aman. In fact, that we have two portions on Friday fell, so we do Zeichel for that, Lacha Mishnah and Shabbos. It's almost like somewhat independent that it should be whole. What does it mean independent? Because the fact that Zeichel Aman really could be two pieces. It would also be Zeichel Aman of two pieces, and that's someone's Zeichel Aman. And we'll see if the person doesn't have whole bread or, or rolls or whatever it may be, they can't even use, the, it's, press, it, it's acceptable to use two slices of bread. Again, if nothing else is available. But the reason why we do particularly whole ones is really, it gives it a higher level of chashivas. Like we had, I spoke about Kiddush, filling up the cup, is a matter of chashivas. And so too, when it comes to Lacha Mishnah, it's a, obviously more chash of a way of using bread is when it's a whole bread. Even if it's very small, it's still whole. And a small whole bread is more chashev than even a larger piece, which is not whole. And therefore, when we do Lacha Mishnah, the proper procedure is that it should be whole. Now, whole gets a number of questions that, that come up in terms of whole. Firstly, very often, you find chalas that attach themselves to each other. Two chalas or two bokalach, they come, they stick together during the baking, and then you pull them apart. Obviously, when you pull it apart, it's not a clean cut. You can have some of one side attached to the other side, and exact, exactly having two, which are not really, either of them complete now, is that going to be an issue? Post can say clearly that's fine, since it was baked that way, and there was nothing was, was missing from the baking process, that's perfectly fine. Again, even though it's, it was baked together and separated afterwards, and it's going to separate now perfectly, it's still considered two whole loaves, and there's nothing lacking in those loaves, being that they were, it was, it was the, everything was there for when it was baked. That's number, number one. Number two, and this happens often, is that some small part falls off or comes off or gets broken off. And this happens particularly in matzos. It's very more common. A small corner of a matzos and is missing. And the question is, what does whole mean? How do we define whole? Does whole mean every single drop is there, which is going to be something that's hard, particularly when it comes to matzos, even challah. Sometimes you have a small piece falls off and part of it gets knocked off. Is that still considered to be an issue of whole? So the post can say that, obviously, if you have a choice between something which is perfectly whole, something which is not perfectly whole, for sure use a perfectly whole is always better, but a lot of times, when you go through the matzos and especially in this, the corner is missing if it's less than 148th of the chal of the matzah it's not considered to be anything missing it's, it's too insignificant to be considered a problem, and very often if it's just a corner or a small piece that's a show less than a 48th, without a question and that if that's the only amount that's missing that can be used without a question and not considered to be anything lacking in shalim, because it's a very small, insignificant part which is missing. What does get um, particularly questionable is when they're, we have a crack, which sometimes has got a crack in them, and does the crack invalidate it from being whole or not? And how do we define how much of a crack is a problem and how deep of a crack is a problem? So, firstly, if the hal is just soft, and which is very often if it's a fresh hal, it's going to be soft, there's no crack in there, but if you lifted it up by like one side, it probably would knock off the other half. 
It's not considered cracked. Cracked means it actually is a slice in it or something which was, was indented into the chal itself and actually cracked the chal. If the chal is perfectly whole, but just somewhat fresh and soft, that's fine. It is more of a question when the chal is cracked and if you have a small crack or a large crack, what would it it? What would it the, the din shalim? And the Shachar says that if you pick up the smaller half, which is a crack, let's say, is in, is in somewhere to the side, if you have the small half and the large half would fall off, that's where they consider too much of a crack that's going to be now no longer shalim, which will happen sometimes. But again, it, often that happens when the chal is just fresh. If you picked up part of the chal, it would fall off. It's not considered a crack. But if it's actual crack in there and you pick up the smaller half and the large half would fall off, that's where you crack that invalidates the halacha of shalim. And it should not be used, again, if you have a, sh- a full shalim available, because it's not considered shalim anymore. Shouldn't, you, shouldn't you, yeah, you shouldn't cut off more, right? Even though it looks cleaner, but yeah, it's, it's, leave it at, leave it as is. So that's in terms of a in terms of a crack. If it's if no, if I'm sorry, if nothing else is available, which means that I only have either crack kala or a non whole kala or only slices of kala, whatever I have. So if, it's, if all it's available. Allah is you can use preferably at least one whole one if you have, and then one slice. If you don't even have two whole ones, or you have even one whole one, you can use even two slices. Again, that's that is halachically acceptable. It still accomplishes the zeichel laman. It's not on the same level of chashivas because it's a piece as, as rather than a whole. That's still going to be acceptable. Yeah. So it's a big big shine on the postman actually. Pasha is better to cut it into two. Because at least this way you accomplish Zeichalaman. If you have one, you don't have Zeichalaman at all. So you have Chashivas, but it seems like the Zeichalaman certainly takes precedence over the one chal. So the Pashtas, you actually cut it. So not, not everyone agrees with that, but it's a, it's a, it's a very fascinating Shaila. Pashtas are better to cut it. Another Shaila which Postman discussed about frozen chala, which very often people use a second chala, which is frozen. Is that going to invalidate in any way the Lacha Mishnah? And the question is obviously, maybe it's not edible, it's not really fully edible until it's defrosted. Is that going to in some way make an issue that the second chal should be fully defrosted? And and others say clearly that it's fine, even though it's frozen. The reason is because Shlomo says if you cut it in the beginning of the meal, within a few minutes it will be fully edible, fully ready. It's even almost immediately fully edible. It's just maybe a little hard, it's not, as, it's not as, as soft, but it's certainly edible. And certainly if you wait a few minutes, for sure it's edible. And therefore, Shlomo Zalman says that for sure one can use a frozen chala. It's not considered anything lacking in terms of a lecha mishnah. But the Boskum do point out, and this is often very rele- relevant as well, the second chala sometimes you have in a bag, because you're not planning on using it, so it's, left in, it's put in the bag. And the halach is that both of them should be unwrapped and acceptable. And the reason is because in order to have the Lecha Mishnah, you want to have the two things, the two Chalas actually considered to be out and together. And if one's in a separate utensil or a bag, or even if it's just in, wrapped in foil, it's not considered to be fully together as the two Chalas. And therefore the <coughs> second one, even which is not being used, should be unwrapped, taken out of a bag, whatever it may be in, in order to consider it to be fully Lecha Mishnah. 
That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah as long as... Yeah. Okay. Yeah. You know those flowers that are made with like a bunch of little rolls together in one pull apart towel? Yeah. Like pull apart So are, th are those actually meant to be taken apart? Yeah. Was one yeah, I mean, it's meant to be one pull apart. It's supposed to be one pala, but you pull off the rolls. So it's almost like breaking... It it's like taking robes, though, and putting it all on one hand. Right, so like but, it's, but it's meant to be, when you give it out, you, you break it off into... Because it depends on how many people are there. Right. right. If there's not too many, yeah, each person will get it. Right, so... If, if that's if it's meant to be all together, I, I would consider that to be one. That it's all all one challah, and then once you break it apart, even though it's similar, it's, it's not challahs being stuck together because those are actually meant to be separate. Here is meant to be as one, and then when you cut it or pull it apart, that that's what's like the same thing as cutting it when you break it apart. I guess the question more is if you have to one of them is a pull up challah and some of them fall off, is that still considered? Uh huh. So were they all meant to stay together as one? To. Right. So then I would, I would, if it was meant to stay together, I would think that's the whole challah. Mm -hmm. And therefore that's, that should be considered challah only when it's fully, all the pieces are there. I mean, that, everything really goes by the what's, how it's viewed in terms of this challah as, as one entity. If it's meant to be one together, together, even though it's different parts, then that's considered the, the full, full entity. Right, unless, again, unless, right, unless it was meant to be served as roles, just, I, mean, I don't know why would someone would do that for it, right? Why would someone put it together for the meant to be as roles? Right, I would assume that if it's put together, it's meant to be as one challah, and you want to consider it one and be one, right? And if so, to use it as roles also, that was not what, that's like slices. Right, right, that's like, that's like slices of challah. Because that's all you have, and it's all the Yeah, yeah, so that's all you have, like you said before, even, even two slices could be used, so then you could take, at least take two of those, and use those for Lacha Mishnah. But it, it is considered to be, I think, like a slice. Let's say, this is actually, I have a, you have challah and this is and you end up with guests and you accept the Should they have their own role? They should have two roles for Lacha Mishnah, they're part of their own role, it doesn't matter? That's fine. Even if, even if they wouldn't necessarily eat from, yeah, even if they wouldn't eat from the second challah, for whatever reason, let's say, allergic, that's still fine. No, I'm right. saying, let's say they're not eating from any of the challah, Oh, so they're taking their oh, yes. We preferable if they took a second or, or one of yours. It's one. Okay, let's say let's say there's two sets of whatever. Uh, and they're making the own hamotzi? No, they're not. Or should they? What's best? I mean, what's best that they're not going to be eating from your challah? So probably the best thing would be is that they put their challah together with with yours and make the one hamotzi over all of them. But if and Let's say an allergy can't come so near. So. Uh, uh -huh. yeah, they don't need their, they don't need their own hamotzi, and technically, if they're using your hamotzi and if, if they can't, be, so they might have having a second challah. They probably might have having a second challah with with theirs. Right, right. If they're not going to be able to put it together. Better to have at least second roll with their unnecessary. There's no difference. I mean, right. Same, same thing. Correct. So they certainly can use. Correct. Can use use their bracha. So really, there's no difference. If you use their bracha, your own bracha. Right. There's it wouldn't really make a difference. But once you're not being part of that emotion, surely you'll not commission then.
A couple of just last points about Lecha Mishnah. So one of the things that we do is make it a slight indentation on the challah, which is very interesting, the, the rationale for that. The Shachan does say when a person cuts challah during the week, and this is relevant to anyone cutting, cutting something whole and planning on slicing, so the Allah is the person should actually make a nice-sized cut in the, let's say if it's a bread, and they're t- going to take a slice off. So the Allah is it should be kept whole, we're making the bracha. It's always a mile of making a bracha on a shalim. But to actually slice it somewhat before making the bracha. And the reason why is because it minimizes the hefzik. That since you're going to have the bread cut, and you don't want to start cutting it first after the bracha, so there's a mile and start cutting it beforehand. That's, the, that's the, let's say someone makes a, like a bread maker and has a full loaf of bread. So the yalach would be it's preferable to start cutting it um, somewhat, make a nice cut in, into it, Make hamotzi and then fully finish cutting it. Shacharach says on Shabbos it's not advisable to do that. Why? Because Shacharach says on Shabbos is a mile of doing having a shalim for lacha mishnah as well, which is a higher mile of shalim. And therefore we don't want to lose the mile of shalim for lacha mishnah. So Shacharach says don't make too much of a cut in the bread for hamotzi, but make a much smaller cut because in this way you don't have any cha- it won't be any question of ruining the shalim for lacha mishnah. So the cut is still a small cut, but it's still done. I once, uh, the Chosev asked me, Chaim Kanievsky, I said that, I said that, you know, often people make a cut and they can't find it afterwards. And, you know, so, almost like the whole gain of it was to minimize the half-stick and make it less of a half-stick. If you lose it afterwards, so what, what, what was gained? So Chaim said very simply, to make a more recognizable cut. And he said that, right, it's, basically his point was, if making a small cut and losing it afterwards, it doesn't gain anything and it actually makes it worse because the whole point is to avoid half-stick. If you start looking for it afterwards, it makes a longer half-stick. And, <coughs> It should be somewhat of a cut that is recognizable, that it can be seen, it can be found easily, but not too deep because that could lose, potentially lose the mile of Shalim, which Shechon says we want to be careful about, particularly on Shabbos. Again, during the week, a person would make a substantial cut, not a deep, very deep cut that would separate the two, but enough of a substantial cut that at least takes away the time of Hefzik in between. If you're breaking this, there's no need to do anything. If you what? If you're breaking it like a roll or something, there's no need to do anything before? Well, just taking off just a small piece. Correct. It means, right, if there's no, it means, let's say, if a person has a... There's also a, this, and there's rules. Right. Oh, you're saying if you're not going to cut it at all. Right. Correct. Right. Yeah, there's no mile of, 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 yeah, of making a cut, right? The whole mile is when you, you to minimize the stick. if you're not going to be cutting it, there's, there's it no advantage yet. which side of the cut you give, right? Which? I don't know. As a kid, I always thought, like, you have to give them, like, the bigger side of the cut. Well, there is a maila in that everyone gets from the same side. Oh, okay. Right, there's a maila that everyone gets, which is called the prusa of emotzi. means wherever side you'd start cutting from, that's called the prusa of emotzi. So there's a maila, if you could do everyone, so therefore, it doesn't have to be an even cut. It could be that it's all the way to the one side, and this way the whole rest of it's the prusa, and, the whole, and then everyone gets from that thing. It doesn't always work out anyway if you have a lot of people, so you might need more than that. But there is a maila of having everyone getting from that side, in that section where the, where the cut was. Based on Kabbalistic concepts, the bottom ones always cut on Friday night, and Shabbos day and Yontif, both night and day, we cut the top. Again, some basic Kabbalistic ideas um, why that's done, but the bottom ones on Friday night is the only time which is the bottom ones cut is Friday night. Also, just a, another side point if someone's making hamotzi on Friday night, they would try to take the bottom one and move it a little bit closer than the top one. And the reason is because since it's the bottom one, if you're 
passing over the top one to get to the bottom one. The Gemara says the issue of Imavir and all mitzvahs. You're passing over the mitzvah, which is the top one, which is in front of you. So the simple solution is you move the bottom one a little bit closer, and this way it's, it's true it's bottom, but it's closer in proximity. And if it's not an issue of Mavir and all mitzvahs, of passing over the mitzvah, and you can use the bottom one first. Obviously, if they're using the top one, then you can just leave them one on top of the other, which will be relevant Shabbos day, on Yantif both night and day, and that would not be an issue at all. Okay, so I think that ends the halachas of Lach Mishnah. Mishnah next week will start the halachas of Suda. We'll finish it as well, get through hopefully all three Sudas, perhaps even get to Havdalah as well. I'll see that next week, Mr. Shem.